everyone, it's Naomi Sneakers and welcome to the Firecracker Department. Welcome to the new Firecrackers. Welcome to the Firecrackers who have been here for a while. I'm so glad you're here. On this podcast, I get to talk to dynamic, interesting, inspiring, creative women in the film and TV industry. And we just talk about everything. We take our shoes off. Sometimes we have a glass of wine. And we just talk about life and the highs and the lows and how to get through the lows to get back to the highs. Know what I'm saying? It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm also an actress. I'm on Mr. D from CBC and also Carter coming up on CTV. And for those folks that are into Disney, Disney zombies. It's a whole world, but there's some fierce zombie fans out there. So shout out to the zombie fans because they're fantastic. While I'm giving some shout-outs, why don't I give a shout-out to Second City? Uh, that is where I got all my training from in improv and sketch. I was there for five years, and I love that place. There isn't a moment in that building that doesn't go by that I'm like, ah, oh, what a cool family to be part of. And uh, they're so lovely that whenever we need to do a meeting for the firecracker department, they let me use a room at their training center. So if you've ever thought about doing improv or sketch or stand-up, anything in that wheelhouse, go and contact Second City Toronto. There's also a school in Hollywood and in Chicago. And uh, take take a class. You got nothing to lose. It's super fun. And honestly, it's the kind of thing that if you have a class a week, it's the thing you look forward to because it's guaranteed laughs. Uh, I just think everybody should take an improv class. It's so rewarding. And I've made some of my dearest friends, one of my dearest friends, I actually married. That's how great improv is. So go take a class, secondcity.com. Hey, I want to thank you all for the lovely comments that have been coming from the internet. In the Instagram, Firecracker DEPT, or Twitter, same thing, or Facebook, where we have a membership club. If you haven't joined, come on over. You have to ask for permission into it because it's a closed group, but we'd love to have you part of the discussion. Big shout out to a couple of the people that have left reviews on our iTunes account. Uh, Ra Ra said, take a listen to this amazing podcast featuring a bevy of super talented, inspiring women being interviewed by the lovely, intelligent, compassionate, hilarious Naomi Sneakus. Naomi has a way of making her guests feel at home and at ease, asking important personal questions and encouraging and elevating the women she has on and the listener alike. Go firecrackers go i love it that's exactly what we're trying to do we're trying to empower people to take creative action so if you're creating something today tell me about it i want to throw a link on in one of the social media platforms show me what you're working on um are you are you listening to something that you're jazzed about are you creating something that you're jazzed about just share it because the more that we share our passions the more concrete they become i believe We have so many cool little departments that are starting with Firecracker Department. A couple of things. Thank you so much to all the folks that are contributing to the art department. Hashtag Firecracker Art Department if you want to go see, like, a display. One day we're going to have an exhibit of this art because it's amazing. Uh, And it's funny and it's cool and it's quirky and it's everything. So go check that out. Also, thank you so much to the folks that joined us for our spark question. The last Sunday of every month, we have a spark question that Deanna Moffat, who's the life coach for Firecracker Department, uh, she and I sit around and uh, a guest joins us. This time we had Jen Robertson from Schitt's Creek. And uh, we pose a question, and then we have this great discussion. We had so many people jump in on that discussion. It was so energetic and fantastic, and it was great to see some of you that way and uh, share some of your your thoughts. So we were talking about money first, and then we posed the question about mums. 
So the question this month was, what lessons have you learned from your mother? Because Mother's Day is coming up. Or have you learned from somebody who is like a mom to you? Because moms come in all different shapes and sizes. So whoever is a mom to you, what lessons has she taught you? Uh, my mom, I just, I mean, this is what I want to talk to you about today. My mother, so <laughs> I was going to say, I've known my mother for a long time. But that's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I have. In the last eight years, my mom um, got dementia, which is just not the greatest. It's really challenging. And I know I'm a, a fairly positive person, and I tend to see uh, the glass half full. And in this case, here's what happened. Like, it's been eight years, and she's now, you know, she's in a wheelchair, and she can't, uh, she has no motor skills left. But she still knows it's me when I come to see her. And we make eye contact, and I can usually make her smile. My husband, Matt, can always make her smile. Uh, and uh, it's not the best, because I sure wish that she was around to share the many moments of life with her. Uh, but it's not the worst. You know, she's not in pain, and I know she knows that she's loved. I can still go and hug her, and we can still spend time together in a different capacity. But she's just a different type of mom now. Uh, the earlier mom for me was somebody that... Gosh, she taught me to be creative. I would come home from school and she'd have crafts laid out so that I would keep my creative mind going. She would make things like into special moments. She would make little stories about how flowers were the homes for fairies. And when everybody goes to sleep, the flowers open up and the fairies dance around. She would say things like that, just full of imagination. She would also say that no problem would come without a solution. And that has served me a lot because... I always believe there's a solution out there. And sometimes I could be a little bit pig-headed about accepting that things can't be the way that I want them to be. But I do believe that all problems come with a solution. She taught me that. And in the same way, sometimes you want to do the opposite of what your mother's doing. I saw my mom and she wasn't, you know, she wasn't happy. She dealt with depression a lot and uh, she dealt with not living the life that she maybe wanted to live. And so I definitely make a choice to set boundaries for myself and to make choices that I know are going to make me happy. And that's really important too. So what's your mother like? I'd love to hear about it. Go into one of our social media platforms and share what your mother is like. Hashtag Firecracker Mums. I would love to hear all the stories. I would also love to hear about mumisms. Because my mom had, holy moly, she had a kajillion mumisms. You know when they turn words around? Like she would say, if your bike's squeaking, just put some R2-D2 on it. Delightful. She was also one of the funniest people I know. Always. It wasn't unusual for us to be at a party because there was a lot of student parties that would happen at my household with my father's students and in the middle of the party I would see two feet just launch into the air and she'd be doing a headstand in the middle of the party because that was her jam she was just full of um, surprises and life and uh, and she still is it's just a different type of mom I'm so excited to share this guest with you today, uh, Kate Drummond. You'll know Kate Drummond from Winona Earp and Stories from a Small Town. Uh, she's also such an advocate for animals, uh, and we learn more about that in this interview. And she's also one of those people that I saw all the time in passing at different events, and I've always been so enamored with her, her story as I will tell you about shortly, but also with just like her persona. She's just a real, she's just a real person. I'm so attracted to authentic, just 
This is who I am, people. And I know you're going to love hearing about her stories, where she came from, where she's going. And I have a little surprise for you at the end of this podcast. So stand by for that. Here she is, Kate Drummond. I'm so happy to have this time with you. I'm so happy. It's to be here. so great. Thank you for connecting with me, and thank you for saying yes. And <laughs> it's great. I'm so like I was thinking. I always think about like the way um, I know people, but I, like watching your career, you are such. You're one of the most driven people I know. Right? Wow. Like you do not. <laughs> like you're up early and you go to sleep late and you're working, aren't you? I'm. I like to think I'm working. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just don't stop. I yeah. just seem to not ha- know how to stop. That seems like what it is to me, too. Yeah, like, like if, I, if I'm, if my brain ever, like, if my brain ever goes into the idle mode, I start, it feels like I, someone took away my water wings um, oh, in the God. ocean. It's like, it's like all of a sudden I start to... Flail? Um, like... Gasp? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I start, I start to sink. Yeah. Uh, no, I feel like... Um, all of the ideas that I have in my head, all the things I want to do, all the, all the book ideas or the script ideas or the people I want to connect with or the, the exciting sort of pop, pop, pop yeah. ideas that yeah. happens all the time in yeah. my brain. I feel like I, I, I lose the wave as like a oh, surfer, okay. you know, like I'm yes. like, it's so hard. I feel like it's, I'm not making any sense. No, I get it. I'm like that too. But then every once in a while I just like... I hit a wall. That's what happens is that, so I'm learning, I'm starting, I've started meditating. Oh yeah. Good for you. And what kind do you do? Like in the morning? I do a morning one. Yeah. Although I didn't do it today. So I'm kind of lying because I I (laughs) say I meditate and I didn't even do it and I didn't do it yesterday either. Like I think I've done it 10 times, but okay. That's the start. Right. Let's recognize that. Right. Like otherwise be like, it's not really anything. And it's so funny because as I'm meditating, I'm thinking, Oh, I have this really cool script idea for this. Oh, yeah. Meditates and can't, you know, but I think that's part of meditation as well. Like I go in chunks on the same, like I'll meditate for like a year and then I'll fall off and I don't, I won't go for rights or whatever. But I think that's part of it is like recognizing those ideas and then going, and I'll just deal with that later or like letting it flow through you as opposed to like, like having a notepad next to you where you're like writing down notes as you meditate. Stinky, stinky side eye. Yeah. And it's so funny because Zelda, my rescue, she loves it when I meditate and she just comes and cuddles up right in front of me. And so then I'm sort of like petting her and I'm thinking as I've got my eyes recognize this leaf blower for a second. Yes, there's a leaf blower. All right. All right. So Zelda, keep going. So she'll, you know, I'll be petting her with one hand and focusing on my breathing on the other. And then I'm thinking, she's so cute. I can't believe how soft her fur is. And I, like, yeah. no, 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 I'm not supposed to do this. Yeah. I'm supposed to sit in this quiet, peaceful place. I mean, place. that's the process, though, right? That's what you're doing. Yeah. So, okay, so you're meditating. You're trying to get into this other world of, like... Trying to find stillness so that I don't hit the crash wall. Yeah. And that's what it is. That's my pattern, is that I go, go, go. I mean, your story is, like... The story of you leaving teaching and doing what you're doing now, it's that you should, that's a movie, right? right? Like where you sell all your stuff and make it big in the city and live in the basement and Ajax and everything. But like, did you, did you along the way think that this is what you wanted now? No. Like, did you imagine what it was? No. You just knew it wasn't what you wanted. Like, like the teaching world wasn't what you wanted anymore. It wasn't even that. I only came to Toronto to prove a point to my students. I honestly did. Right. Right. Like I was doing, I was happy. I was, I would, I mean, I guess I was happy. Maybe, 
Mm-hmm. I'll get back to that. I, I was well, happy. Well, you weren't f- fulfilled, right? There was I just something wasn't, missing. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled. Yeah. But I was doing... Like, I was doing, like you like teaching. I love teaching. Yeah. I, I, yesterday was the first day of school, oh, and I was, yeah. like, having teacher dreams. And I was thinking about the kids coming on the, in the classroom, and I was thinking, oh, I miss that yeah. day. I miss the... I miss teaching yeah. so much. Like, I love it. It's, it's what I know without a shadow of a doubt right. that I'm good at. Yeah. Oh, that's such a comforting feeling. You know, versus that. this industry. And you're like, well, I, do I suck? I don't, is it a fluke? Have I only booked cause it's a fluke or there was right. no one else? Like you, there's all these neurotic insecure things that go through my brain in this yeah. profession because it's so personal and yeah. teaching is so, I don't know. It's just so second nature to me. It's just what I feel like I was meant to do. But yeah. my students that I was teaching at the time, I was teaching them about chasing dreams and, you know, just because this is all you know does not mean that this is all there is. And right. I, had to, I was teaching kids in crisis. A lot of my kids were coming from really hard backgrounds yeah. and other countries where, you know, dad's still over there and mom is here trying to raise five kids. And, you know, I, it was just, we had a really troubled group of kids. Sure. And so to inspire them to want more when they'd never seen what more looks like mm-hmm. was really difficult. For sure. And so it was like this huge unit in my class about Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. So yeah. So I've one read of, it. Yeah. yeah just, and it was just, you know, <laughs> and I realized I was, I was teaching these kids who had seen more in their, you know, eight years of their life than I have in eight lifetimes, I'm sure. Right about, you know, you can do it, chase your dreams, yeah. it's, you know, and I'm thinking, but that's my perspective. Like I walked out of high school, went right into university. I was a captain of my varsity team. I went right to teacher's college. I got in, I got my first job right out of teacher's college. Right. I got plucked out of teacher's college. Like easy. It, it came easy. Yeah. And so I didn't, I realized like I had this epiphany that, oh my God, okay. And do, am I, is it? Am I willing to do this thing that I'm telling them they can do? Right. Yeah. And so I wrote a letter to the board saying I can't teach these kids yeah. until I've had a year to go and learn for myself what the lesson is. And I was, I was, you oh my know, God, that letter must have been so nerve wracking to write. It was write super nerve wracking. Yeah. And because I was really influential in the board, like I was teaching student teachers and I was running workshops and I was really, I was starting to get my print, my vice principal's papers. Oh my gosh. Like I was in, You're in there. I was yeah. In. And so to say, I need a week, I need a year off. And like, and especially at my age of 35 at the time, it was sort of like, what? You're 12 years into teaching. Right. You're so, you're halfway there. You've yeah. got like the golden retirement plan. You have your summers off. What's your, you get, what is your health care and everything, all the benefits. So I came to Toronto for a year thinking it was just for a year and then I'd go back, right. which is why I just rented out my house in Ottawa. Right. Sold everything I didn't need because I needed the money to live in sure. Toronto. Um, went through that whole thing of it's just stuff. stuff. I'm not attached to the stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then got and here. We and, yeah. Like we're so, I'm so attached to stuff. Gosh, what I, yeah, yeah. It's I know. I know. I'm trying to get better, but it's hard. So this life that you're living right now, is it drastically different from the life in Ottawa? Like I know you had like a nice home and you were married and stuff. So there are yeah. a lot of differences that way, but like in your personality, like, did you find yourself going, ah, like I can be who I want to be now? Yeah. I think I didn't realize that when I was in Ottawa, as much as I was who I was at the time, Yeah. I think I didn't have the sense of self that I do now. 
Right. Which is weird, right? Because yeah. you were so happy teaching. Yeah. You would think you would get confidence from that. But everything there a else, disconnect yeah, there was a around disconnect. Around it? Yeah, I think there was a disconnect. Like I, your personal stuff? I think it's funny because even my closest friends that I've had for 15, 20 years, they've seen the change. Of course, yeah. Like I went from being the pleasing friend, you know, always, you know avoiding conflict and I didn't want to give an opinion if it was going to make someone upset and if you know you're my friend then I should agree with you with everything right. and I didn't even know what I liked in style like I didn't know what my style was I right. didn't, it was like oh if they're wearing that I should wear that right. that that's obviously the cool thing and I and I realized it was attached to decades decades of trying to fit in you know cuz yeah. I went to like nine different schools growing up and my parents moved yeah. around all Why the time Why did you move around so much my parents just always moved. They just got... And then they were in real estate and oh. halfway through all of the moving, but then it was like the next best thing, right? right? And so I didn't feel right, like that I keeps ever you just at a distance from totally. connecting to friends and surroundings. And, and you're all the time, almost every year or every other year, yeah. going through that rigmarole of how do I get this group that's already established to approve of me? Yeah. But now you're in the industry where the big group is actually like the world audience. And how do I get those right? folks to approve of the me? The universe. It's the universe right. has put me in this because it's the ultimate test for me. It is. The I mean, for ultimate. all of us, it's all yeah. of us going, Hey, can I be part of your party? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, we're reliving grade school constantly. In this I business. constantly feel like that. And it was traumatizing. Like I was so bullied, so bullied for that it was what? just, Oh my God, you name. Okay. So too like, strong and pretty. Hey, let's no, get her. I, I no. I mean, I, I, I got a unibrow all through high school I think and I, I was too. like, you know, yeah. My brother used to call me Brooke Shields and I was like, Hey, but then I was like, wait, she's really pretty. Yeah. What's supposed to happen? I know. It's or so I, funny. I had my hair cut like this, and he was like, hey, Cleopatra. And I'd be like, hey. And then I was like, wait a second. Cleopatra was like really tough and Like beautiful. really tough and wait awesome. A second. That's a compliment. Thank, How dare you compliment hey, thank me. you. <laughs> yeah. Get over here. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. No, I got, um, I got uh, teased for, I remember having like, <laughs> this is back in the time before cell phones, um, when you had your own sort of personal phone line at the house. Like my parents had business. I mean, that sounds very extravagant. It's yes, not, but my parents were in real estate, so right. they had their line. And it was one of those one of those touch tone oh, phones that yes. had line one, line two, oh, and I one line. I dreamt about stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, like, we had that that's, because my that's what my parents had the business. Yeah. So I, line two was my line, and oh, I had and one if of you those. Did it really carefully? You could listen yes. in on the other person. Totally. Okay. Not that I ever cared what they were talking about, but they probably cared what I was talking about. And I had one of those clear plastic phones that you could see all the inside. Love it. And then yes. it lit up. Yes. And I remember it was like a Friday night and I think it was in grade nine and I wasn't allowed to go out a lot. Like I, if I had to go out, I had to sneak out and right. you know, so I always got caught. Yeah. Um, and I remember it ringing sort of like 10 o'clock on a Friday night and I was like, Oh, someone's calling me. Oh no. Someone's and? calling me. And I picked it up and I heard shh. Sh- and everyone was like shushing each other. And then I was like, hello, oh my God. hello. And they started ringing a cowbell in the oh phone. My God. And I was like, hello. And like everything inside of me was sinking Dropping. through the floor. Right. And I was sitting on my bed. Like I remember it. I had like friggin' Kirk Cameron pictures all over my wall. Like I was, I was so innocent. Yeah. And then heard girls laughing in the background. And then I heard a bunch of people mooing at me. 
And then I was like, and then they hung up really fast. And then it was just sort of one of those things where I will never mm-hmm. forget it. But I feel like, you know, there was such cruelty in those moments that it almost reinforced this, this, um, this guard that I put up that was, oh. don't let anyone see who you are because you're going to get hurt. Right. And so, you know, you maneuver through those years of what's going to get, what's going to make me safe. What's right. going to make me fit in and camouflage myself in so right. that I'm not a target when really the whole time I never fit in from the start. Yeah. Like I was a weirdo from like the time I was born. I was weird. Yeah. Like I was just, a, I've been weird my whole life. And I was so trying to hide it because I felt like it was like what made me a target. Right. And so, and yet it's the stuff we're supposed to be embracing. Spo- and so that bringing it back to your question, yeah. I had to become an actress. I had to move to Toronto. Right. I had to take away all my titles. I had to put myself in this, in high school again. Yeah. Tech, you know, yeah. in a way so that I could learn that. Wait a second. My voice comes from down here, not up here. Right. Um, I can have an opinion and it'd be different and you can hate me for it, but I still am okay with who I am. I know what my core values are now. Right. Like before I just didn't know it was all vague. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't specific. Or it was now, defined for you. Yeah. By your roles. Yeah. Wow. So I think that's, I always say like, if someone tells me I can never act again, which is sort of how I feel like I'm at in my career right now. <laughs> like if, if someone were to say, you know, you're done, yeah. you can never act another day in your life. Yeah. You can't storytell. You can't do anything creative. I will say... I will, I will weep (laughs) and then I will say thank you because I would not have learned any of this of who I stand, what I stand for and who I am as a woman had I not left my teaching career and done the bare bones starting from scratch. You know, like it was, it was FYI, no one's going to take away what you give yourself. Yeah. Right. Like you're creating yourself now. Like yeah. It's like just, yeah. Fish and it's not like you're waiting for people to give you things. You're hustling and making your own work. So yeah, it'll be yourself going, you're, you can't do this anymore. Yeah. You're done, <laughs> but that's okay too. Like yeah. sometimes I think we get in this industry and we get like motoring and there's like the option of quitting is never in our brain. And so like, but I see people like taking a break from acting or doing something different. I'm like, good for you. Like good for you for taking that step. Cause it's sometimes not even in our mindset to yeah. go, well, this is all I know. Yeah. So it's weird. Cause I, I feel like I say I'm done. Like I, I go through some months of yeah. just like heartbreaking rejection, yeah. you know, things that you're just, you know, you're like top choice and it's, and it's a big deal. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's really all I want is to work consistently with people that I like. Like yeah. I don't need to be rich and famous. I don't care if people know who I am. I just want to tell good stories with good people. That's all I care about. Yeah. That's all I care about. And I was very close to having something like that land. And, um, it was just like, Oh, and last minute they decide they want to go older. Right. And it's like, and then I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I I'm so sick and tired of the, of the no of feeling yeah. rejected all the time. But even though I say that I'm done, it's almost like I'm testing yeah, yeah. the universe. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to jump. I'm, is anyone coming to rescue me? Yeah. I'm going to jump. But you're also allowed to take a day off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like going, you know what? I'm done. I got it. Like I have those days where I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to, yeah. I don't know when I'll do it like a outside project like you work in so many charities yeah. that probably feeds you when yeah. you're not working it does it does well it's the same for you though like you every time I look at you you're just like 
going. There's always something new that you're doing. And I mean, that's people's perspective of me. <laughs> but I also, like, I get burnt out. I yeah, was I like, this past couple of months, I was like, I need to just regroup a little bit. And yeah. uh, I find it taxing. I find the rejection... I think I find the rejection um, not hard in the moment, but in a retrospect. Like sometimes I'll look back and go, hey, how come they didn't invite me to do that thing? Hey, how come they And it's yeah. suddenly like it catches up to me. <laughs> and then I feel really crappy. And then I go, well, sneakers, make your own story. Like that's, Yeah. And that's what you did too, right? Yeah. It piles up. It's like sure. everything on their own is nothing. It's like, no, this is my yes. job. Yes. This, I, my job is to go and audition. My job is to go and do this thing or pitch this project. And my, that's my job. Yeah. As a storyteller, as an artist, my artist doesn't care if there's a paycheck attached to it. My artist just wants to be no. expressive. I mean, right? we need to eat. But we need to eat. I mean, yes. I need to like, pay for rent and yes. stuff like that. So. And cars. Yeah. <laughs> and new cars. So now, like, when you, when you left the world of teaching yeah. and uh, was your husband in teaching as well? He was a teacher as he well. He was. So that was like... That was huge, right? Well, I... So I'm not married. But before, were you married? I was married... I got married young. So I got married at 27. Wow. And I had the wedding where I stopped halfway down the aisle and everyone held their breath. No. I... Oh my God, you're a Hallmark movie. You're my Hallmark... Well, my... The night before my wedding, I was in my parents... um, They had a hot tub in the back of their place. Sounds very extravagant. It was funny because my parents were always like, we were always sort of like, Oh, money's tight. No, you had a fancy phone in a hot tub. You were happy. I had a fancy phone. (laughs) Um, I wonder how much of that was real though. Like, like in, in retrospect, but, um, I remember sitting in the hot tub with my maid of honor who's known me since grade nine. And, uh, I'd started weeping and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I said, call the priest, call father Voisin and tell him I'm on my way. And I literally was you know, 500 meters away from it. Not even 500 feet away from, I was in like this tiny little community called Mary Hill. There's like 12 houses. It's outside of, um, Guelph. And you can see the steeple of the country church from where I was sitting. I said, tell him I'm on my way. I'm in a bikini, flip flops, towel wrapped around mascara, pouring down my face and I'm flip-flopping all the way up to Father Voisin's place and I'm knocking on the door and I show up soaking wet. Oh my God. And I was like, I can't do this. And he says, Catherine, God has spoken. This is right for you. And I was like, Oh my God. Um, and he said, are you taking any medication? (laughs) And I said, uh, yes. I was on, I was on like, a cocktail of medication for like so much anxiety. Yeah. I was crippled with anxiety, but everything that was going on in my life at that point, in hindsight, it's because I knew it was wrong yeah, and I was yeah, trying yeah, to make yeah. it fit. And I you was, couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. So I was like, but I should want this. I have anxiety. Is, I wonder what that's from. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he says, keep taking your medication. And so I thought, okay, so oh, I buddy. guess this is right. And so then I got home and I said to my mom, I don't want to get married. And She's like, honey, it's going to be fine. You know, every bride has these jitters and da, da, da. So anyways, so keep in mind how close the church is to where I am living at the time with my parents, like visiting at their, at their place. I was 45 minutes late for my own wedding because all the signs were there. The limo that I didn't even order, like the wedding was my mom's wedding. She planned it. You know, it was for her. She eloped when she was 18. So she never, she never had this thing. Right. So it was like. I kind of let her do a lot of the planning and and stuff, but it wasn't me. Like I was like, I want to get married on a beach and yeah. bare feet and 
you know, two people there, yeah. me and him. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, right. it was like, yeah. You know, so anyways, the limo breaks down to come and get me. And so I'm waiting and I'm thinking, this is a sign. This is a sign. Oh my and God. so next thing you know, I get told that my cousin is coming to get me. He's in his minivan and he has a car seat in the back. And I've got to fit in the car seat because the front seat is not big enough for me and all my dress. Oh my God. So I have to sit in the back of the van because that's the only place I'll fit. So they're shoving me in to the back of a minivan while I'm sort of half sitting in a baby's car seat. Like, and I'm driving. Oh my God. The images. Right. Yeah. And then I got to the church finally, like 45 minutes later and I got down and I got halfway down the aisle and I just stopped and I just collapsed. I just cried and cried and cried and oh cried. Oh my god. Like buckets. I just hung my head yeah. and wept. And my dad pushed his hand into the back of my sack and he said, Catherine Ann, there are 170 people watching you right oh now. Oh my god. He's like, don't do this. And I was like, okay. And so I walked forward. And so I stayed married for a couple of years. And had you been known to do erratic things? I had been known to do the safe thing. Yeah. I've conformed my whole life until the moment I left my marriage. That was the right. first time in my life. Because I would think that like, I took if a you were like a like a rebel kid and you're like, oh, here she goes again, backing out of this. My dad know? used to be a cop. Yeah. So I mean, I was so I grew up in like the strictest household with the strictest of rules, fearing my father. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting married, and then I tried to make it work for a couple of years, and then when I started acting, like I was in the pit of the pit of darkness at about thirty, and I remember thinking like, I'm. Trying to make this marriage work. I'm trying to get this, you know, make everything fit. And I remember getting super quiet and saying, okay, Kate, like when you're 80, what if you have to talk to your grandchildren one day and say, what is it? One regret that you had. The first thing that came to my my mind was acting. Right. So like three days later, I put myself in an acting class and I was home. And were, was, were people around you just blown away with this? Like they didn't see it coming. They kind of thought you'd be, oh good. She's all set up in her little house with her husband and she's like, what's her problem? Why would she walk away from this? Like I had friends that stopped being my friends. Right. Isn't that weird? Because you're like, we so disagree with this. Yeah, but I also think that people get images of what they think you are, yeah. and then when you go, no, I'm actually this now, they're like, well, we, that's not the vision of you yeah. that we have. And that's that's the that's the risk of being authentic, right? And uh, is that you will have people that like you the way you were because you serve a purpose for them. Yeah. So I always served a purpose yes. as the friend who was like not needy, but I always served a purpose for the people who liked to feel needed. Yeah. Cause I always called them and said, I'm having a, what do you think? Or yeah. I need your help. Or I'm going through this thing now. There was a draw. There was always drama. Right. You know? And so for some people, they love having friends like that because it gives them a sense of purpose. Right. right? And all right, of a sudden right. I stopped being people's sense of purpose and I just started being me. Yeah. And that's where I found my greatest joy and I found the greatest change and the greatest, growth of uh, being just a person, you know? And so, yeah. So I just, I was happy just teaching and, 
doing like the occasional MOW in Montreal. I remember yeah. like crying because I got one line in a movie and oh I was my just God, so huge. excited. Like, here's the school teacher from Ottawa. What was that? Was that what your first credit was like pr- proof of lies or something? The like Kate that? Logan affair. Oh, the Kate Logan affair. Was that your first credit? That was my first speaking role in a movie. Oh, and your trailer? Laydell. Do you remember going to your trailer? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, was it tiny? Trailer? Was it one of those tiny ones? Or was it like. I think could... it was a four banger. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it wasn't nice. like a six banger. It wasn't like no. the super. It wasn't like the <laughs> like super the closet. closet. It was like. I remember sitting in the closet the first time going, oh, oh, and like getting someone to take a picture of me sitting on the steps, looking so awkward. Uh, but this is my this own is space. Yeah. I'm valued. Yeah. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I just remember, and then doing community theater and just being really happy in class yeah. and stuff because I was just learn. I was finding my voice, right. I was finding who I was, and I was really so learning. that balance worked for you. Yeah. When did it stop working for you? When did you kind of go? This is no longer an option not to pursue. When I went to LA, I went to I took three weeks and went to LA to study, and there was just something that came alive in me. Yeah. That I thought. I can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. But it's so hard because with teaching, I can't imagine doing anything else. So I have two passions that are so strong in me that I... I'm still trying to find the way to blend them. And I know, and it often comes back to, well, you should teach drama at high school or you should do this, but it's not, it's bigger than that. It's, um, not to say that that's not a big deal, but it's, for me, it's, it's something, there's something very significant that I feel like I have to do. Yeah. And I just coming. haven't figured it out. Yeah. I feel like it's coming though. Like I watching like the stuff that you're doing with like your writing and directing with the go fish film, but yeah. then also with like your mini, um, the jock, uh, what's it called? <laughs> the cooking show, the jock, a jock like, guide. That kind of stuff. Like there's an mm. interesting, um, connection there with teaching and acting. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I don't it's either. Way. This is so like how my life is. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's something. So who, who gave you the power to think that you could do that? Or where did you find it? Not necessarily who, but where did you find that? Oh my God. No one's ever asked me this question before. That's a leap that you took. It is a leap. And I think had I not been dating someone who lived in Los Angeles, right. I wouldn't have taken it. Okay. So I was dating someone, um, in Los Angeles that I had met there when I was studying and, um, came back to my life as a school teacher, but was now attached to this person who is living in Hollywood. And it sort of, for me, I put them up on this pedestal yeah. because, Oh, they're in Hollywood yeah, sure. and I'm just a little school teacher playing at the, you know, community theater. Yeah. <laughs> like that's where I want to be. And I thought, well, if I want to ever be as good as him, because he's in Hollywood, right. <laughs> the things we tell ourselves, right. Um, then I better start by taking my career more seriously. Right. And so this all happened around the same time. It was, there was that pull that, okay, I am, I am going towards something potentially that could be the next chapter of my life. Right. And at the same time, so rooted in my teaching career. But then when that little person says to me, what's your dream? And I say, it's to be an actress. And she says, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. What was that kid's name? You know, what's happened to her? It was Kristen. And I think Kristen has now, I mean, that was eight years ago. So she would be graduating. She wow. would be probably in her first year. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if she knows the impact she had. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. Yeah, no, no, it's good because it's like all of these sort of memories sort of flash back, and mm-hmm. it's 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 hard to tell which what happened first or what was the right. But it all but sort of happened around the same time along the way that like like a cheerleading moment or something that made you or like did, like your folks I know your dad was a cop so did he give you that kind of strength that goes I can do it I can do anything like, no my parents had an intervention and said don't they? yeah they were like if you get cancer how will you pay for your medication because <laughs> you won't have insurance <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I was like thanks guys my godmother my, my aunt plan Rosemary is not to get cancer right about that yeah. I know um my aunt Rosemary was like Kate Catherine you know, you can do anything. We have faith in you. You do what you love. And I had so many people in my corner. Yeah. So it's not like I, as even though I was sing, like so-called single at the time yeah. and you know, this person that was living in LA, I think just represented a destination. Yeah. As opposed to representing, you know, I'm doing this because I want to be in this place for this person. It was less about that. It was less, I've met someone who's living a life and doing a job that I think is exciting to me. Yeah. And then I had never, like when I was living in Ottawa teaching, like I didn't have any famous friends. I didn't know any, I mean, I came to Toronto. I didn't know anyone. Like I, I, it was so foreign to me. This whole concept of this industry was so foreign to me that all of a sudden it became a real thing because I'd met someone who was doing it. Right. So I think that, cause he gave you a vision of the possibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. And then, you know, that sort of, it maybe is a subconscious plant sort of plants there. It gets a root, you know, gets seeded and yeah. then go on with your sort of day to day life. And cause of course, I mean, you have an amazing job as a teacher and da, 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 you love it. And then all of a sudden this other question comes at you and it's sort of like record scratch. Right. You know, and I thought, well, what's a year? If I can go back to my job, what's a year? So was that hard though to say no to your parents and be like, I know you're giving me guidance and you've guided me all my life and I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. I I mean, like, was there hard feelings? Did you have to be, they came around? Yeah, they did. And they were really worried for me. And I remember, (laughs) I remember my mom or no, my dad was one of the first times, I don't even remember what it was, but it was some project, something that was on TV. And he saw me on TV, like for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those phone calls I got where, you know, he's like, you know, Kate, you're really good. Right. This is absolutely the right thing for you. And he, then he started talking to me about this jumping before you see the safety net and don't worry, it'll always be there. And he says, you know what happens when you jump off a cliff into the ocean? (laughs) You know, sometimes you die, die, depending on your, (laughs) but I think he was, you know, that whole notion of like, you, you think you don't, you think that it's just this very wide, expansive, scary place. But then when you dive in, you see like there's these beautiful, colorful fish and there's coral and there's a right. world down there that you'd never see if you were above the water. Yeah. So sometimes you have to just jump. But where was that guy when I you know. were jumping? I know. Well, obviously I mean, I mean, not everybody can do. And I think people, people give their advice based on where they're at in their own life. Sure. Right. Sure. Sure. So he's probably, you know, they were probably in a, a stage of their life where they didn't you know, maybe they weren't doing what they loved or maybe they were fighting to find their own security and felt like I was giving up my security. And so that sort of shines a light on what they're doing. Of course, it's the parent's job to worry. That's their like, 
your child, but you're like worried about them maybe getting cancer, not looking after themselves. So like that's the extreme. It's so absurd. Right. And I think I remind them of that sometimes. And then just, we just laugh because it's just so funny, you know, but I'm super stubborn. So if I say I'm going to do something like it's like, yeah, I feel like you've got a, um, a sportsman's mentality with your approach to acting. Like you, I feel like you're training. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Did you ever think you might go into professional sports? Yeah. Which, which sport? Basketball. Oh, is that like a, is that a missed opportunity? Yeah. What happened? Basketball. I got hurt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I played basketball all through like elementary school. I started playing basketball when I was eight. And, um, by the time I was like 12, I was traveling through the States. I was like, you know, captaining my team in high school, MVP, like all city, all star. Like I was gunning. I, I was gunning for a scholarship to the States. Like that's all I wanted. And then a combination of getting hurt and puberty hitting at the same time, all of a sudden it was like, I couldn't shoot. I couldn't. Cause you're all like awkward. And I was stuff? so awkward. Oh, weird. I mean, it was like, I grew over the summer and healed. Yeah. And then I was ready to go back and it was like the year that mattered and I didn't even make the first cut. Oh my God. And I'd gone from playing. That must have blown your mind. It was brutal. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. Because I, like I literally, all my confidence just, I went from being like the, that was the one thing yes. I was good at was basketball. I knew I fit there. I always fit on the team and now I didn't even fit on the team. Right. So everything was changing and I was just like, oh my God, this is the worst. I know. It feels like you had these like pockets of security in your life, <laughs> like the basketball and then the teaching and you like either yes. pushed them aside or they pushed you aside and you went to the next thing. Yes, that would be my life. (laughs) But now you've chosen this, like, the most insecure job ever. Do you find any security at all in our our profession? None. (laughs) None. At all. Like, didn't... I find security momentarily when I'm working, and that is it. I sometimes feel security in the insecurity, if that makes any sense. Like, if somebody ever said, um, you've got a job, I've got a job offer, right? It's going to be a three-year contract. I'd be like, oh my God. Oh God. Like, that actually makes me panic as opposed to, like, it's a three-week contract. I'm like, got it. Three weeks is great. (laughs) Oh God. I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. So how did you, how do you navigate then in this career? Not very well. Not very well. But you've had like great success on like Winona Herb, and like I see that you're working on um, covert covert affairs, and uh, what's the film you just did with Thomas Michael? Oh, nowhere. Yeah, like you, you yeah, you're proven that you're talented enough to work. Like it's yeah. not like you're, you know what I mean? Like there's, I know. there's some there's some logic behind your talent. Yeah, I mean, that's such a thing. Uh, it's so weird. Like, I was ecstatic working on that movie set with yeah. Thomas because it was gritty and grungy and in the trenches yeah. and long days and a crazy story that I had, I had manifested. Like, I manifested that movie experience, and I'll explain that in a sec. But, um, like, I was... So happy to be working 18 hours a day. Yeah. I did not care. I was out, I was up in the morning meditating, up in the morning yoga, two set, knew my line. Like I was ready. I was like, give me more. What do you want to do? Let's yeah. get because the storyteller in me is like, oh my God, I just want to do something with this heart of mine that has oh, been through yeah. so much. And where do you put that, right? And that's how I feel like if I don't, if I'm not working on a set or working in a 
artistic way in that way, like the acting, the connecting with people, the sharing of that energy back and forth. I feel creatively constipated and I haven't found the way really to relieve my constipation. I feel like even the writing helps. Like I have a blog and that helps, but it's just not, it's not the same. Like you need to be part of a project where you get to infuse Kate Drummond into. Yeah. As opposed to you producing, creating, blah, 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 all that stuff. It's not as satisfying for you. It's, I mean, it is, it is. I mean, Go Fish was an incredible experience. Um, I loved every minute of my directing. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, and, and I loved the editing. I loved the, the year long editing process afterwards, the year long editing. (laughs) Um, I love that too, but I, I just, I am happiest when I'm when I'm working with, I guess in general, I'm just happy when I'm working with other artists. Gotcha. I'm not a, I'm yeah, not a lone wolf. Michael created that kind of set, I'm sure. Yeah. Some people like to do their own thing. They like to do their own writing, their own this. I'm very different. Like yeah. I like to sit with someone at like people at a table and say, what about this idea? Terrible. Okay. Got it. What about yeah. this? Terrible. <laughs> Love it. Hate it. Like I don't, I would like to think I don't have an ego when it comes to collaborating. Well, you that's know? a great thought. I mean, <laughs> I would like to think I, but I think ego is just in innate in this industry. You yeah. can't help it. But you know, when someone says like, Oh, you're that script you wrote, it's, you know, I don't understand it. Or they give you yeah. notes or whatever. Like I'm kind of like, Oh good. Give me more. Oh, like tell yeah. me what, what else is. Cause I just, it depends it on be, who it's from. That's true. <laughs> like if it's from, if it's from my father, it's no. Yeah. So now in this world that you're completely insecure and in, how do you find security then? Where do you find that? I find it in, um, it sounds so silly. I find it in my charity work and I find it in my dogs. That's not silly. I think dogs are the best because they, you don't have to audition for them. Yeah. They just, you know, you know, I, I, mean, I cover myself with treats and peanut butter, but so I'm like, <laughs> but I do that. In we audition. don't want to go there. I do that in audition. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Like, why is Naomi coming into audition? She stinks like peanut butter. Why does she stink like peanut butter? Uh, Um, Yeah. Um, You know, sometimes, like, I wake up and I feel just shitty. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, wow, I got another no, or I've not even been considered, or I think this person doesn't like me because maybe they said something about me or somebody or someone's judging me and they don't really know me. And then I get caught in that wheel of, like, no. And then I look at this little golden coyote from Mexico. And I think this dog was living on the streets for two years and then in a cinder block cell for a year. And she's lying here looking at me with so much love and I'm able to feed her and give her this family and the security. And I think that's the best purpose I could ever ask for. Right. And so that for me, that is my purpose. Like my Whenever I lose sight of that, I think I have nephews who, who I have the best relationship with. My brother is my best friend. Um, his wife is my, one of my other best friends. And I think that's the stuff that matters. So right. whenever I feel like I'm getting in this neurotic place of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I, what, what am I going to do? And I'm not, I'm getting too old and now I'm not, now I'm not skinny enough or I've put on weight or I, you know, because yeah. my body has changed too. Like I'm in my forties. It's yeah. changing. Like I can't, I can't keep it up. I can't keep up the, the thing of like being the athlete and being at the gym two hours a day. Like what I used to be my entire life. I had to be, and I'm, I'm so tired of that. But in what's happened is that like things change. Yeah. 
you know, I'm not, I, I'm a different woman and I'm learning to be okay in that. So that's, I mean, don't you think that's a lifelong process of learning to be okay with it? And that's just, I don't think that's gender specific. I think guys also have to deal with that, but we maybe, I don't know, we get more attention about it. And how do you find, how do you find aging in this industry? And how are you going to? I don't know. Like, cause we're not going to leave. Like, no, we love this business too much to leave. So how do we find a place? Well, I'll tell you, like, it was really, um, it was really empowering, empowering for me as a woman to shoot this movie in April because part of it, I, when they spoke with me was the fact that part of the reason I was being cast was because I look the way I look and I carry the woman next door. Like I, I'm not, you know, I don't have... I'm not super... Ma- like, I don't yeah. have Botox and, like, not to say there's anything wrong. I'm not making a comment about that. But there's a... There's a everyday look about me. Yeah. Um, you went from the girl next door to the woman next door. The woman yeah. next door. But no, you're... You, right? you look very real. So that's... And there's something very... Like, you said yourself, you'd much rather be in your flip-flops on the beach than hoity-toity yeah. up. Yeah. And I... It's never been about... Like, I, I, I don't, you know, someone's like, would you ever get breast implants if you had to? And I'm like, I, why would I have to? No. Oh. No. My teeth are crooked. My my wrinkles are coming out like spades. My gray hair is growing in. My chest is flat. My ass is getting big. My thighs touch. And that is just the way it is. Right. And, the, and I'm going to tell the story of that woman whose thighs touch and wrinkles are there and gray hair is there and flat is bored. And, you know, right. I'm, those are the, but those are the stories I want to tell. Right. So it's sort of like... I'm kind of keeping my canvas true to the stories I want to be part of. And that's the story that I told in April was very much this everyday woman. And mm-hmm. I, and I loved it, but I have to tell you this, I'd been manifesting this oh, yeah, experience like crazy. And I kept saying to my agent at the time, I just want to do a feature film that's gritty, indie, I want to be number one on the call sheet. And it wasn't for a purpose of like, I want to be number one. It was like, I want to be the one to tell the story. Right. I don't want to support someone else's story. I want to be the story. I want to take that journey of the character from start to finish. And I said, and I want it to be about a mom who loses someone. So I have a place to put this pain of losing Jackson. Right. Because it has crippled me for the last year. Like it, it it has literally changed my cells. It has, you know, weight gain has happened since Jackson and uh, like insecurities have come up and because he's, he was my safety net. Right. Yeah. And, and all of these oh, things, Jackson. he was 13. And so all of these things happen, right? Um, it was such a traumatic experience in general, as anyone who's lost a pet would know it's, it's awful. Like it just <clears throat> awful. And I said to her, I can't work. I am, I am a horrible actor right now because I forgot how to breathe. Like I've forgotten because I'm so afraid if I breathe, I'm going to ball. So I, I'm holding everything in all the time. And then I'm bombing auditions and I'm having casting directors that I know who are giving up on me because they see me come in for three times in a row during that year. And I'm still this terribly unpresent woman. And all it is, is that I'm just so fucking sad. Yeah. I'm heartbroken, you know? And so I said, I, this is the thing that's going to fix me is I need to tell the story of someone who has lost someone. So it authentically, I have a place to put my pain. And sure enough, this movie comes along and they're like, we want you to tell the story of this woman whose daughter is abducted. And I was like, 
you've got to be kidding me. And it was, I'm telling you, it was the most artistically fulfilling experience of my life. And I brought Jackson's stuffed animal and I brought it to set and I put it in my daughter's bedroom and I made it be the thing on the bed so that when I went into the bedroom in those scenes, I looked in and I saw Jackson's toy and that it was permission for broken, my broken heart. You know, it's like, <laughs> you get it. Yeah. It was just permission. And it was, and I felt like I was doing something good with it. Like yeah. I wasn't just wallowing in my self pity. It was like, no, I'm telling somebody's story who worked really hard on writing this story. I'm, I'm, I am literally giving them everything. Mm -hmm. And so it was the most profound experience for me. And then after that, I was like, oh my God, I could say the word Jackson uh -huh. without bawling. Like it was so healing for yeah. me. That's Carrie Fisher, right? She says, turn your broken heart into art. Right? Yeah. I mean, I get, I get that feeling of not being able to, um, like, where do you put it? Yeah. Where do you put that grief? Yeah. And, um, I know I've read, I have a friend who's lost her father recently and she sent me this information about how we don't, the grief doesn't ever dissipate or go away. We just learn how to live around it. Right. And it becomes absorbed into who we are. Right. And it does change you. Your DNA it changes. It, it has does. to. Yeah. Because, because we are who we are with the people around us that love us. Yeah. And so when they leave, we change. Yeah. And there's another thing too about the people that, and those we love that when we lose them, is that, especially with the, in the sense of animals, is that they are pure positive energy. Yeah. It's why people love dogs and animals, right? It's because they feel unconditional love. And so by nature of being around them, our own personal vibration raises. Yeah. We don't have to do anything. They're just in the same room as us. And it's like that law of attraction, so to speak, which is something I believe in is that I feel like I'm always lifted when I always feel like I rev a little higher, um, a little more pure and a little bit more positively when I'm around animals. Right. And then when you take away that, that thing that makes you rev, all of a sudden you, you have to work harder to mm -hmm. keep it out uh, personally. Right. Right. And so it's sort of like you, I don't know. I read that in a magazine and it sort of made sense to me at the time. Right now what I'm trying to explain it to you, it sounds like, like, you know, hocus pocus, you whatever, but you know it, what? it's, it's, it's just, part of the journey. Yeah. It's like, like, I, I it made sense on that day. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much, but now, yeah. so that's like what a gift that movie is. Yeah. So how, where do you go from there? Yeah. Like that was such a, um, a pillar probably yeah. to look back at that being a really big part of your career. But now, now where do you go? Like, I have no idea. Really? I don't because I, you know, since I got back, I haven't worked from shooting. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't worked and it's, you know, it's, um, it's been a lot of, a lot of auditioning and a lot of preparation and a lot of coaching and a lot of working at like okay, like obviously I can do it because yeah. I just did. And it was moving and everyone was moved and everyone was affected and we all affected each other, which was the better part yeah. of it. Um, so obviously I can clink into place in a, in a well-oiled artistic machine. So, you know, 
it was sort of this thing like, yeah, I am built to tell stories. Like yeah. this, there's no doubt in my mind. And then to come back and be like, okay, everyone, just so you know, I'm built to tell stories. And they're like, sorry, you're too young. Slam. Right. Sorry, you're too this. Slam. Sorry, we needed a heroin junkie who's supposed to be insanely skinny and that's not you anymore. So slam. Right. And it's like assaulting. It's assaulting to my, my morale, but I have to, I, I am learning cause I haven't been in this industry professionally long enough. It's only been eight years and I, I, I haven't been in it long enough to understand yet how to navigate those lows, those funks that last you've had for a pretty consistent time. successes since yeah. you're like, Hey universe, I'm going to become an actor. And they're like, Oh, here's some roles for you. Yeah. And, and I'm like, like, I'm going back to teaching. No, you're not. Here's a video game you're right. going to work on for two years. Oh, right. now I'm going to go back. No, you're not because someone wants to rent your house for another two years. And we're going to give you this job. Like it felt like every yeah. time I went to go back to teaching, something kept me in Toronto. Yeah. Interesting. It's so strange. Like there's so much bigger than there's something way bigger than me at work. And I, I, I just have to have faith. I just have to have faith and shut up. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's also not going crazy in the interim, right? Like yeah. when you're having faith, what do you do so that you're not losing your mind? Well, yesterday I made six plates of six platters of sandwiches for a funeral at a well, catering that's job. That's lovely. Is it lovely? I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was sitting there. I was like making tuna sandwiches for four hours. And yeah. And then, and then I was rushing home to do, you know, get hair and makeup done to go to a fashion night right. event. And yeah. it was so weird. I mean, that's our dichotomy in our business it's for weird, sure. Like yeah. you come home, I, we were talking about this the other night when I came home from this like fancy event <laughs> to discover that my dog had been sprayed by a skunk. <laughs> so there's this picture of me in like full gown, full hair and everything <gasps> hoopty dooped and, uh, with like tomatoes and juice up to my elbows and just like, and he, it looks like a murder scene cause he's oh, white. Wow. It just looks like manic, but that's our life, right? That's, that's the best the picture ever. I have to see that picture. It's, funny. <laughs> it would be the it's best. so funny. But it is, I mean, and there's, there's a humility too, right? Like it's sure. the, I love what I do so much as an artist that I'm willing to do whatever it takes in the interim. Yeah. You know, Yeah, I see that in you. I see, I mean, when you did go fish, that kind of came out of the blue too, didn't it? Yeah. And what was that experience like writing and directing? Is it something... Did you like it enough to do it again? I loved it. Oh yeah. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I am just waiting for the opportunity to direct again and to write again. So are you right? Do you have, yeah, you're writing now, right? I am. Like, I am not well. I partner wrote that. Like I wrote with yeah. someone and I directed with someone. Right, with Brett. Yeah. So Heard. now with Brett Hurd, who's in great comedian. Yeah. Like he has got great comedic timing and he was directing the comedic scenes that were sort of like waka waka, not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you have a way clearer vision on this than I do. Great. Like, so you take this. Mine was all sort of like the more heartfelt reality, like the, the, in based on realism, yeah. like the getting to the heart of the matter, getting truthful, getting really truthful yeah. and vulnerable in our work. I love directing that kind of stuff. Um, it was fantastic, but now I'm sort of venturing on my own. So it's sort of like, yeah, I just realize I'm not as good on my own. I, like know, I, I find that so shocking. I mean, I get it, yeah. but like you're such a driven and like <laughs> with your sports background, yeah, it doesn't, uh, there's a, there's a weird disconnect along the way. Like I can imagine that you're the kind of person and I might be imagining incorrectly, but, um, they would wake up in the morning, meditate and then write. So what actually happens is that I, okay, so I'm going to pop your vision. All right. I wake up, 
I have like squishy grump face on because I hate the morning. Oh, you're not a morning person. No. Like I literally look like my face has been sucked up into a tube of a vacuum. I'm okay. Like, okay. Squishy. <laughs> like this. And it's like, if there's any light that touches my eyes, I'm like, <laughs> like it's literally like I'm four. Yeah. Um, I get up, I grab Zelda and I walk on the beach and then I sit under a tree and I think about my life and my life choices. And then I think, how am I going to make money this week? And then I send some, you know, networking emails out to say, Hey, if you need a reader this week, I'm free or Hey, you know, and then I get home and I, that's when I go and I like clean or write. Yeah. Clean. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's very satisfying. Um, I'm just not moving as, I I mean, I guess for all intents and purposes, I am writing every day. I just am not moving as fast as I see myself wanting to be like, I we're impatient. I feel like I should have had my, my one story written. Like I have a kid's book that's been half done for two years and it's great, but I just can't seem to find the way to end it. So it's been sitting there because I can't seem to find the way to end it. And I'm waiting to be inspired for the yeah. ending and the same with my feature film, like my feature film, I know it starts ends, but I'm kind of, you know, missing some of the stuff in between and yeah. I, and I can't seem to just sit down and streamline my thoughts because I feel like I'm one of those like, like all the thought bubbles and sure. ideas bubbles are like all the time. It's like I have manic unfocused creativity. Right. Versus like, no, we're sitting down and doing this thing. So when I had a partner, it was great because it was like, you know, we're working on the scene and now we're rewriting it together. And rewriting is right is a strong thing for me. The editing, the finding a better way to say something or a truer way to say something like that's sort of where my passion is. But when it comes to like the blank page and having to figure out like tab, what is it that gives me a new scene heading? And do I have to write exterior something, something? The structure of it all. The structure. And next thing you know, I'm off on Google learning how to do script writing. And then I've lost my, the plot and then Zelda has to pee. Right. And so now it's time to walk Zelda again. And I'm in the cycle again and then it's five o'clock and it's you know it's just so I also think that we put pressure on ourselves to like be something that we're not in creativity like I don't work that way I work really well like on my feet improvising I work really well in a group like you like I don't work well like Matt works great when you just lock him in a in a room. Which I lock I, him in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I lock him in a closet. I'm like, don't come out until you have a script. And uh, you're not getting does. any love until I put a little plate of food underneath the door, and then that's how we work. <laughs> a squished grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> oh my god, he'd be so happy. <laughs> yeah. uh, a little bit of ketchup, please. Yeah, he's like, I'm never coming out. Can I have a second? Are we still married? <laughs> so how? Like, I guess it's a matter of finding the journey on how you work, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm still figuring it out. Sure, good. Are you happy in this industry? I'm happy when I'm working. Yeah. I'm miserable when I'm not. I mean, you're not the only one, right? So how do you find the happiness when you're not? Dogs? Dogs, charity work, uh, family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, it's, you've, this, this interview sort of comes at a, a really interesting time for me because it's sort of like, I feel like I'm at another crossroads. Yeah. You know, that I don't, I, here's the thing. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to now be 80 and look back and think, did I waste a decade waiting for people to tell me yes? Right. Yes. When, what I know makes me happy is, you know, I know acting makes me ecstatic when I have the chance to do it. 
I've been so lucky. I've had the greatest opportunities. I've had incredible directors, incredible casts to work with. Like, I feel, like, for the amount of time that I've been here, I feel so bloody grateful. And diverse, too. Yes. Like, from Winona Earp to the uh, video game stuff. Yeah, and to, like, the flaky best friend with the flower shop mysteries. Like, Like, yeah. What a diverse career you have. And I've met incredible people who've got my back now. Like, these people that I work with have now, you know, some of them are my close friends. So it's like, I'm not without support or encouragement, but there's, you know, there's part of me that's sort of like, I know I can make my own work. I know I can write my own things, but even when I write my own things, I will still be waiting for someone to say yes, because the funding will have to come from somewhere and the, you know, and it's, and I know that there's the whole, you know, an artist doesn't care and an artist, you know, and I even said that earlier, like technically your artist shouldn't care if you book the job or not, because it's just, you get a chance to play. But like you said, we have to pay our bills. And I also feel like, yeah, my stories are good, but I, I want to, here's my dream. I want to own an animal, an animal sanctuary in the country. Oh, I want to have tons of rescues. Yeah. I want a helicopter pad with a helicopter that will fly me to the project on direct offer. Gotcha, gotcha. I want the sound studio in there. I love it. Where I can, you know, have interviews with the animals. Uh, <laughs> you know, how was your day today? Yeah. You know, great. That's wonderful. And how's Hank? Um, no, like I, I was never happier than I was when I was on the ranch last right. summer. As, and it's funny because it was attached to such a sad time in my life. What, what was the ranch? I lived out in uh, in Alberta on a ranch in the middle of nowhere for like six months. Just by choice? <laughs> no, I drove Jackson's ashes across the country oh. and moved in with my boyfriend and his family on the ranch. Oh, wow. So I lived in a little bunkhouse with one bedroom and, you know, a stand-up, tiny little stand-up shower and one room. Like it was, you know. And, yeah. Um... And I literally healed my way through horses for that entire time. And it was like, if money wasn't an issue, if you didn't have to make money, I I think if money wasn't even a thing, I would be surrounded by animals. I would be rescuing animals. I would be, you know, um, taking care of animals from morning till night. And then I would be putting on plays for free for everybody. Like if money, if wasn't a thing, right? Like that's what I I mean. Money's not really a thing, but it is for sanctuaries. Like if you want to run things, but like you're, you understand through charities, like you, like money can't stop your dream. I know. It's just so challenging because sanctuaries are their whole other ball of I mean, I, I like, don't it's know like, that kind of stuff. There's like, oh, there's like all these like bylaws sure. and, and so but many. like, I, I just, the idea that money would stop you from living like a dream that you just described, I, I don't, I just don't. Like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be investors. There's got to be... Do you know what I mean? There's got to be a charity that goes, oh, my God, we see the enthusiasm. Come on board with that. Like... Yeah. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's what I'm working towards. I don't know. I know that what's lovely about this career, what I love so much about it, is I love the community of fans. Yeah. And the community of fans has been, like... Yeah, you've got wicked in my charity work. Like... Raising $10,000 for sick kids in a week and a half was strictly from the fans. Come on. Like, it was insane. And I was giving thank you videos for every $50 donation as I drove back to Toronto across Canada. So it was like, the big nickel, the loony, the, you know, whatever falls, you know. It was like, but I mean, if I didn't have the platform, 
I wouldn't be able to make the change, the, the have the impact on these charities gotcha. that I am. Yep. So I, I feel like I, I was meant to be in this industry because it's giving me a bit of a, of a platform, um, for, you know, that, which is incredible. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I feel like I will always be in this business because I can't imagine myself not acting. Like uh-huh. I really can't. Yeah. It's just so in my cells. Yeah. And now but, that you're here too, like it's, you yeah. gotta go backwards. Yeah. But I also feel like there's something else. Like there's another thing that used to be what acting was for me. Yeah. There's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it used to be teaching. Then I got to teaching and it was like, Ooh, there's acting. And now that I'm at acting, it's like, Ooh, I love it just as much. But I, there's, there's some, there's a pull I'm being guided. I just yeah. have to start listening a little bit more, which is why I need to meditate more. <laughs> I think I think you're so fantastic. No, I think you've got such drive, and I think you can do anything. I just think it's a matter of when you figure out, like when it, when when it sh- when the light shines on what you're supposed to be doing. Kind yeah, of yeah. That, yeah. That makes me feel good that you have faith in me. I do. I think you're dynamic. Look at like, but I also think that we so quickly forget about our victories. Yeah. Like, look at your past. 10 years of your life. Like you can right. do what you're doing and you'll just keep doing it if you want to. It's, yeah. It's there. It's you fun. know, when you're on the verge of something like, do you ever have this happen where your resistance is highest right when you're on the verge of a breakthrough? Well, yeah. They talk about that. Like there's a, a book called the art of war. Uh, Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. And it talks about sabotaging yourself at the end. Right. I feel like I'm in that moment. Cause I feel like the last two months I've been sucking my thumb. And I've been like, poor me, I can't get a job. Poor me, I'm not hireable. Poor me, poor me. And it's, and I'm conscious of it. It's like, Kate, what are you doing? You are wasting so much time being sad about something, an opportunity that wasn't meant for you. Otherwise it would have happened. So what, like someone said to me, rejection is just redirection. And I loved that because it was like, oh, so I wasn't. Okay, so if you're redirecting me from 35 days of shooting, um, where are you redirecting me to? You know, but it's yeah. sort of hard to wrap your head around it. But it's, um, but I, I, that's I have to take some solace in that. That's yeah. okay. If it's up until this point in our lives, like it's probably like this for you too. Everything has lined up the way it's meant to. Even the even the heartbreaks. Yes. I believe that. You know, had to happen. Otherwise you can now, now looking back, you can see like this happened, this happened, this happened that wouldn't have. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like I'm in one of those moments right now where it's like in two months, I'm going to look back and say, Oh, I know now I see why this, Yeah. now I know why all those answers were. Let's do like a follow up. Yeah. When when like the things shift, let's have like a little follow up on the phone or something like that. Cause I feel like that too. I think that changes a foot. Oh my God. Next time we, next time we meet, I'll come in and I'll be like haggard and have a bottle of wine. But you'll be like, I started a sanctuary. Nobody, no one of the dogs care about my, my hair. So that's what you're Sorry. I smell like dog shit, but you know, I've been shoveling it all day. Right. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll I usually try to wrap up by talking about things that you're jazzed about, like if there's a book or podcast or TV show that you're really mm. sparked by these days. Uh, I'm reading a book called Finding Gobi. Okay. Which I'm loving. I haven't finished a book in probably 15 years. I am not a good reader either. I'm a terrible reader. What is that about our brains? I have no idea. For th- and it's appalling considering we're storytellers. It's appalling. And I can't get through a story. 
I start. I read um, Girl on the Train. Okay, which is really good. Is it? If you have another fifteen years in the gap, it's really worth, <laughs> worth picking up. But I I read the first two chapters and I went. Well, going to read those two again because nothing had gone into my brain. So I'm so like that, too. Yeah. Finding, so Gobi Finding Gobi is amazing. Okay. It's about this ultramarathoner. And as he's running, um, of course, a dog, uh, this little stray dog who's like a tiny little terrier ends up running with him. And he does like 55 miles a day. Fantastic. And then he ends up like befriending this dog and he's going through this runner is going through like these major, major things in his life. Like he's lost his father and everything. Like he's going, he's running through pain and yeah. he meets this little creature who's yeah. just amazing. And he gets lost in China. Like it's like, this, Oh great. It's a true story. Oh, great. And I'm like, who has optioned this movie? There you, know, you like, go. Yeah. So I'm yeah. super jazzed about that. Um, and I'm super excited. I'm editing my next episode of a jock's guide. The oh, cooking cool. show. Oh, yeah. Fun. So I have another episode coming out. Um, and I'm excited about that. Um, TV shows. Why? It's really well edited by the way. Thank you. I was watching, I can't remember what you're <laughs> making, but just like I, I reflected on how much effort editing takes. Oh and yeah. That you have patience for that. So that's, it's like 40 hours per episode. Oh yeah. My head explodes. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah, well, so there, like, that's the difference, right? That's when you go, oh, that's something I do love. Like, I don't like yeah. that process. It makes me uh, So what else am I jazzed about? Um, God, I'm jazzed about a lot of things. Um, Handmaid's done. Yeah. So I was, like, super jazzed about Handmaid's. Yeah. Couldn't get enough of that. Yeah. I'm working my way through Game of Thrones, but okay. it's sort of, like, I mean, there's no obligation. Yeah. Um, that, well, my last question is, what... Uh, like young Kate, what advice would you have told her? Young Kate, I would say, oh my God, baby, your weirdness is exactly what makes you so fucking great. Mm -hmm. And just be you, mm -hmm. just be you. That's what I would say. And I would say, you know, put on those plays in the backyard and who cares if no one shows up, just express yourself, be heard, dress weird, Walk backwards when everyone's walking forwards. Wear Converse when everyone's wearing heels. Just do mm -hmm. you and just rock it. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah, I think you're fantastic. I think you're fantastic. I do. I think I, just, I think you can do anything. I always... I do. I have complete faith. And... Uh, thank you. I... I I want to find out what's next for you. It's really good. <laughs> I'll let you know You've when done it such, And your film, the, like Thomas Michael's film with you, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a real special thing that you got to do. So. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for Thank having you. me. Thank this you so, so much. Nice. You're fantastic. And that's Kate Drummond. I just adore her. She's just so full of of wisdom and kindness and smartness and joy and so many things. Go follow her in the uh, Twitter world at Kate Drummond underscore. And while you're over there, follow us too at FirecrackerDEPT. Don't forget also, while you're on your computer, because I don't know how you're listening to this, but please go to firecrackerdepartment.com and subscribe to our newsletter. I have a team of firecrackers that are making this newsletter happen every month, from Vicky over in the UK who designs it, to Anna, Joanne, Rachel, uh, Jesse, Jen, who contribute um, to the different departments, and then Ingrid, who does an oversee of the whole thing. I mean, everybody's got their hand in this newsletter pot in some form. And don't forget, oh my gosh, Laura Lee and Sydney are rocking it in the social media world. So give them a big firecracker shout out while you're at it. 
Here's the surprise I have for you. I always send these episodes to the guest because I want them to have the final pass. If there's something that they don't want to say or if something that they, I don't know, felt like they wanted to keep private, I always want them to have the last pass. So I sent this to Kate and she said, oh my gosh, that we recorded that during TIFF, so September 2018, and so much has changed since then. I'd love to do a follow-up. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to record a whole other part two follow-up with Kate Drummond. We're going to do it on the phone. We're going to do it this week. And it's going to come out as soon as I can. And it's going to come out as soon as possible. So stand by for the Kate Drummond Firecracker follow-up. I'm excited to share it with you. I also want to welcome the LA chapter. We've started an LA chapter of Firecracker Department members. And we've got AJ. We've got Mandy. We've got Deanna and Emily and... Farah, we've got so many amazing gals. We're starting some really cool things over here in LA, and it's going to be available to everybody online. One of them is a script reading department, so stay tuned for more information about that. May 4th, we have our first comedy panel live in uh, Hollywood, and we'll be recording that and sharing that with you. Gosh, there's just so much going on, everybody. Please keep in touch. Firecrackerdepartment.com. I'd love to hear from you in any capacity. Thanks so much for listening to the Firecracker Department. I'm Naomi Sneakus. Now go on out there, okay? You got this. Mm-hmm.